0: Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms of supply. See McDonald's.com.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However,
0: Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minutes of injury time. injury time. Injury time, injury time. Knockout takes Almunia saves. Knockout follows it. Almunia saves again. And now Walker on the counter-attack! Forestieri. I don't believe this! Here's Hawk D-A! I do not believe this heres hawk I do not believe what I've just seen! Troy has scored from a Leicester penalty that was saved by Almunia! Do not scratch your eyes! Do not scratch your eyes! Do not scratch your eyes! You're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. I'm Justin. I'm Cole. And I'm Peter. And we are at the morning after the night before the match day operations at your place meeting held at Sun Sports in Watford. Uh, myself, Peter, and Cole were there, as were other people that we knew, other podcasts and fanzines. Or- and
2: individuals, other people that we don't know who would have had maybe different views, and that's fine.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think it's our job to report back what we saw and heard. I think before we get into the details of it, my overall takeaway was, this is my personal takeaway, was that the things that are going on at the stadium at the moment that everybody doesn't like are here to stay. And they make no apology for that. I think if I was to take the overall, it seemed like, what was it, two and a half, three hours of, it was quite a long time of discussion. I would take away, look, sorry, this is where we are. This is how it's always going to be. And almost if you don't like it, you can lump it. That's what I took away from it. However, I'm not really a details man. Peter is a details man. So do you want to give your overall uh, impression of the evening and perhaps go into a little bit about what was discussed?
2: I'm not really a details man this morning. This was the second at your place of this week. And after the first one, which was the commercials one, I came back at about whatever time it was, midnight, came back and recorded my 20-minute kind of summary and just put it out so that people could hear what, what I thought. There was a gentleman called Henry, uh, a young young gentleman who put out a, a written re- report and it all kind of tallies. Tuesday was a positive, yesterday was anything but. I have never felt so inclined to stop supporting Watford Football Club as I did last night. And I'm, when I mean stop supporting the club. I think we saw last night two individuals who were at the dark heart of the stewarding situation, the matchday experience situation, that seem unwilling to lean anyway towards fan requirements and simply will point to anything as future legislation and And I appreciate that we don't have an appreciation of what they have to do. But last night, you came up to me, Justin, said, are you going to record something tonight? And I said, no, I was physically unable to. I was too angered in terms of it. It's important to say it wasn't just these gentlemen who are Andy Jenkins, who's basically head of like kind of security... I, I think it's the excuse me, gentlemen, if I get your roles wrong. Um, I'm sure you can look at the new available org chart to get their titles correct and the facilities manager, Mr. Ian Pope. Those two were front and center in, in the majority of this, but also on the table representing the catering company was, was the commercial director Paul O'Brien who was also there on Tuesday anyway with the stewarding guy the stewarding guy made his apologies he's got family issues which meant that he wasn't able to be there yes, he the, was sorry, there on Tuesday the catering guy not the stewarding guy yeah, oh sorry guy. yes yeah, on- I apologise yeah. sorry the, yeah i got stewarding on the brain here the catering gentleman Stuart was there on Tuesday and was open and reasonable mm-hmm. in terms of his Communication. And we also had Dave Messenger on there talking about EDI, as well as obviously Rich Walker talking and Luther as club ambassador, occasionally interjecting with some thoughts and comments and stuff, which was interesting. So I think the, uh, as I see it, I can't think of it as a details thing here tonight or to, this morning, I should say. We're recording this, as we say, kind of Friday morning. It was the situation is effectively, the reasons put forward about why we no longer have club stewards was that prior to the pandemic, club stewards, we had about 120 on the books and 80 would be available for any given match day. And the point that I think it was, and apologies if I get the two kind of interchangeable, I think it was Andy Jenkins who said, if I call on them now, I can maybe have 40 since the pandemic, it's, it's dropped off a cliff. Now that's a, it's an interesting thing so this justifies the move to outsourcing it to a third party agency or two different agencies actually as it is who provide agency stewarding. So the people that you will have come across the people who will be frisking you and I'm sure these guys are trying to do a good job I've got no problem with that but they are not in any way shape or form Watford trained they are not Watford stewards in fact they have the, the the accreditation that they have which escapes me for the moment is it SIG? I can't remember SIA, SIA, SIA. thank you is actually Done at their own expense before coming in, and it is a four-day training course and a certain level of first aid that they have to take. And Andy cited this as being actually technically better than the the previous training that was offered for just stewards, which is, which is below that. However, these guys are doing this in order to be stewards at as an agency would be at Watford or at Arsenal or at Spurs or at Wembley or at Twickenham or at any number of different events in and around. The London area,
0: or as Dorman say, yeah, yeah. as I understand it, is Dorman as well. It's general security; it's not specific to a football environment or stewarding its security, as I understand it. Yeah,
2: a number of people gave examples of incidents where the stewarding tone, shall we say, and experience the match day experience has in the last eighteen to twenty months gone dramatically downhill. Now, I appreciate that not everybody will have had that. I've had conversations with somebody this morning who doesn't sit in a part of the ground where he is open to it. And I sent him the picture that was on the front of the Bristol City, the post-Bristol City conversation about stewarding, which basically was a a picture that looked like the opening scenes from Casualty, where you're sitting there going, this isn't good. We are not in a good place here. He had no idea. So if this doesn't affect you, please, guys, feel free, if you're happy to, just don't worry about listening to this. But this could affect you in the future, so I would implore you to. Because these guys are third-party agencies, these two gentlemen's reaction when anybody gave an example, which included one lady there who had, had effectively been moved along from one queue to get into the Sir and John stand to another because this turnstile does not accept women, Yep. she then further explained that actually she had a frisking that was, I would suggest, more akin to groping. Not exactly her words, but my, my, my take on it and shortening of it, and the response, as with all of the individual responses, of which there were a number, bearing in mind you've probably got about what, 80 people in the room? Yeah, so, well if you multiply that by the amount of people that you need to get to a match day crowd number, a number of people have had poor experiences, and every single poor experience is seen as an individual thing, that I can't comment because I wasn't there and I wasn't that individual. It's basically, it is foregoing the responsibility for actually what is going on. And to turn around and say, I can't do that as an individual case, yes, but... Lots of individual cases mean that something is endemic. This week has seen, obviously, the rise thing in the the post office scandal. Strangely, after it, it took an ITV drama for people to get to it, but that's neither here nor there. Here is an example of people in authority claiming that individual things are simply individual things. And then when you find out, actually they build up to a class action. And that's what this is. One gentleman basically put in and said, look, I find you gentlemen responsible because you are at the top of this. You are at the top of putting this out. And at no point was there any, Responsibility taken for what was going on. It was simply, this is what we have to do. This is why we do this. The reason one, one of the questions was around a particular experience and to, and to what happened and why that particular thing was. The other question was, why when the opposition score a goal, do the stewards basically all stand up at our end and like face up and try to look aggressively into the crowd? And the answer was, Well, if you're sad like me, then on the Sundays when everybody else is watching the football on Sky, I watch the stewards. And everybody does that. Everybody does that. Yeah. We're Watford. Watford – were special. Watford was, and and let's not kid ourselves, Watford wasn't special because the supporters alone were a, a different breed or because Graham Taylor was just a different breed. It permeated, his influence permeated throughout the whole club. And it went from the very top to the very bottom. The stewards... Knew that this was Watford. They acted like this was Watford. It was friendly. We treat you like an adult and we expect you to behave like one. The rest Mm. of the, I I quoted and went off on my merry high horse, and apologies for anybody who had to put up with that. In the late 70s and early 80s, when people were basically putting up cages and basically treating football fans like animals, guess how they reacted? They acted like animals, right? Because they were being treated as such. At Watford, you had wide open spaces. No cages went up. You were treated like an adult, and you were expected to behave like an adult. We're not now. We are getting the same stewarding that you will get at a, a an Arsenal or a Spurs or a Wembley. They are acting like if you go on holiday, right, and you go to a place that's a restaurant, for example. Here's my analogy here. You love analogies, especially when they come. Oh, from I love analogy. Yeah. You go to a tourist spot, hundreds and thousands of people there, and you go to the nearest restaurant. They charge the bloody earth, and the food and the service is normally pitiful. You walk 500 yards or a kilometre away from there to a local family-run enterprise that is absolutely reliant on its regulars and it's about service and it's about quality and it's about differentiation. One of them is, well, we'll always have the footfall, the Arsenal, the Spurs, the Wembley, there'll always be people filling those. So it doesn't really Mm -hmm. matter. We've now got the same people basically serving us as have that kind of footfall mentality, which is your name's not down or you're not coming in. Literally. Mm. The reason given, as I say, was the fact that the pandemic, since the pandemic, that number will have come down from 120 or 80 serviceable on the day to 40. I would suggest that that is because of neglect of trying to reintroduce those people because it's the reason people outsource is because it's your mess, i.e., what you do for less. Carl has been told, why are you giving these people grief? They're on minimum wage. Maybe invest in them, okay? Maybe invest in them. I wasn't able to ask the question at the end because after Andy had explained that these guys do their own training at their own expense to get this certificate and then we bring them in because the question was, do we verify uh, the quality of what they have? Because, again, according to another gentleman, the, these cards and qualifications are uh, available to people to, to purchase fraudulently, shall we say. Um, and he said, well, no, we get the number. and We can, not that we do, we can verify their ID and their number, but we can't tell you how well they did on the course. They've got the certificate. I wanted to ask the question... Is the agency model does it prohibit you from actually providing Watford based training i e this is what is applicable? This is what mm. you do here this is how you do it here this is what is this is where the lose are these are where these other things are. I don't know if anybody has actually tried to interject with some of the stewards about where things are or what things are need to be very often their knowledge is extremely sketchy because they're just rent a steward now mm. it may be that because we are using these agencies plural. We don't know who's turning up on the day. They happen to have a badge and they happen to be putting it out. It's just basically outsourcing to these goons as as a goon squad a, a, as much as anything. And it's just, I found it utterly heartbreaking that the restrictions that are being put in, and we'll get on to talking about bags and about Martin's Law again, and the fact about why basically all of this experience has been So un-Watford for so long Mm. now, really there. I'm heartened this week, generally, that there are people at the club who are trying to do the right thing, who are people who are trying to do the best thing. But one thing that was very telling, at one stage, somebody asked about incidents, and they turned around and said, well, this particular incident happened, and for education, we passed to Dave Messenger. And when Dave Messenger and when the club talk about education, they talked about it towards fans. When they talk about education... Whenever anybody talked about the stewards, it was, "Oh well, I'll ask them, or we'll see." No, mm. no suggestion of education to the stewards. No, no suggestion that in any way, shape, or form will the tone of anything change. The question about how old people can be before being searched, because obviously, searching is a contentious thing.
0: There are a lot. Well, of people they they on- described it as patting down, didn't they? I think a lot of the security before you go into the ground. They described it as patting down rather than searching I think didn't they he, he described that, that- it as
2: patting down but slightly more that yes, was the phrase right. that he that, that was the parlance that he used there was one gentleman at the start who works in security and asked and basically one of his questions were well some of your stewards are, they're dressed like I can't remember the phrase he used but they're not dressed very well um, they were scruffy yeah yeah, yeah maybe they were scruffy and they might be five foot six they're never going to stop a pitch invasion I work in security you need to have kind of bigger beefier kind of people and the point that was made by Andy, in fairness, was, look, we we, basically, we can't just turn around and say, well, can we recruit six-foot-three men? He said, look, no, we need to have women there because we need to go through security measures with women. And, And most women don't want to be patted down or searched or what have you. By a man. So we have to do that. And if they've got the accreditation to do the job, we have to trust that they can do the job. But there's an element of trust going on there. There's no element of trust towards the fans. And these are the fans who come back time after time. These are not tourists who just jump in, go off, and then go off to the next place. These are not expensive tourist restaurants, we are your homegrown mom and pop store around the corner. We heard this Mm -hmm. week how we haven't got the hospitality being filled because we're not in the Premier League and the people who will come for hospitality will tend to come for Premier League. You ain't got that anymore. Take care of what is the important thing, which is the number one thing, which is the matchday experience of your supporters. There was no attempt to offer any balance for that from these two gentlemen in the middle. Now they live in a different world to the one that we do and I would suggest that if you are working constantly in a world of these match day operations and security then if the only tool you've got is a hammer then every problem looks like a nail right Yeah, that's the way they are I would suggest that if you're reading some of the material that, that Ian Pope gave out and that he had prepared to say look I've got this book and 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 I've got this book and, this book, and all of these are legislative things that we I need to do and that I have to have and I have to do. Somebody in the eighties pushed back. They pushed back against the, you know, the Thatcherite government and said, "Well, actually, we're doing it like this." At no mm. point in. Any of this is the suggestion going back and saying, well, hold on, no, we want, we need to do this different. We want, we are Watford, we are different. We have a different supporter base. Instead, what it is was the suggestion that we have 40 or so, I think was the number given, of Mm. 19 and 20 year olds. And effectively, we are inconveniencing everybody in order to manage them.
0: That was what I took from it. There's a group of lads or whatever that are a problem lot that are causing problems and they know who they are, by the way. And some of them have already been banned and others have been told that they're being watched but every other inconvenience that the rest of us are experiencing around the ground is due to them so real proper sledgehammer to crack a walnut kind of solution to that I would suggest there was another thing as well where people were talking about having having to keep showing where they were sitting so you, you, you show your ticket when you get or you bleep to get in and someone looks at it and then someone else looks at it and, and the analogy they offered was well when you go to the theatre as you go in they look at your ticket and then someone when you get to the vomitry which is a, a phrase that I know you you've used. We'll show you where to sit. Fine, fine. I don't go to Sadler's Wells every week. If I did, I'd go, look, I know Sadler's where my seat is. Sadler's
2: Wells. What a <laughs> choice, everybody.
0: Sadler's <laughs> Wells. Yes. Whereas I go to the ground three, four times a month, and I have done for the last yeah. 40 fucking years, by the way. I do know where I'm sitting. I know who I am and where I'm sitting. Uh, why do you all seem to have a problem with that when I enter the ground? And it really is because of these 20 or whatever what did he call them anti-socials or something or he gave him a title that I thought was a bit off actually Um, I I
2: might have been in one of my many moments of fuming at that point I don't know
0: yes yes I could hear you tutting behind me so I, I think yeah the stewarding I think was probably the main topic of the evening It it Uh
2: was, and I appreciate entirely at one stage, and I do need to issue a bit of an apology because I did go off on a rant, and especially at Ian Pope, and I do offer an apology for that because, and the reason I did so was because he was quoting different incidents that had occurred throughout, well, basically history. He went as far back as 1971, Ibrox event, which was when a whole host, and it was a famously overattended match on on an open terrace. Of concrete and it, it, with the last couple of minutes a last minute goal was scored it wasn't somebody tripping it was a whole host of people stopped and turned around and people kept walking and it was a horrific event as all of these individual events are and he, he quoted that one and he quoted Heisel. and he then quoted Hillsborough as an example of why legislation should be listened to and minister. and I just went off on one because I know a family who lost somebody at Hillsborough I didn't get to know the individual who, who, who passed away I wasn't a didn't know the family then, but I've seen the after effects for the last 20 years. And the suggestion that, in any way shape or form that there are lessons to take from the administrators and those in charge of match day security at Hillsborough absolutely left me fuming so Mm. first of all I apologise for making that individual and personal but I was ranting on their behalf but the point is these moments are very are logistically very few and far between and they are not happening in the same scenario as we have Heisel was about a wall collapsing in a decrepit Belgian stadium that shouldn't have been hosting the European Cup when you have had basically basically people running, Liverpool supporters, running at Italian supporters a year after an incident had occurred in Rome. There's a whole host of complexity, none of which is actually applicable for 2024 Vicarage Road. Nothing Mm. of it is. None mm. of it. And it, mm. it, it, to turn around and say, but bad things happen, so we have to inconvenience everybody for the whole time, is palpably nonsense. Every, yeah. every single time there is an event that occurs, and the one that people will bring up and was brought up last night indirectly because of the talk of Martin's Law, which is as a direct result of the Manchester bombing, which was uh, basically uh, at the end of an Ariana Grande concert. That, that this is changing everything, and that the what's going on now, even though we may feel it's draconian, is nothing as to what's coming down the road. But some of the things that were suggested last night that will be happening, they don't know what's happening. It's still at its second reading. It's still basically being changed and devised at this moment in time. So we don't know what's actually happening with Martin's Law, but an awful lot is being thrown at it as a justification for tightening everything up. Because as I say, when every you know, when every tool you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. We just hit it. There is no subtlety. There is no means for understanding and appreciating what you actually have within the supporter base. Not from those two individuals. There were from other things. And I think we should we should touch on that as well in a minute.
0: Some of the things that they're suggesting might be coming under Martin's law, obviously, as you said, it's still in its second reading. It's not even passed through Parliament yet. You won't even be able to bring in a handbag or any kind of bag. Any- any whatsoever. Yeah, any bag. So you're complaining at the moment about your flasks and your umbrellas, but you might not even be able to take a bag in. That's what they're suggesting. I think on the whole, I think they were very prepared just to keep batting back legislation as a justification for anything that, that people had a, a complaint about I was pleased because I thought if if we go and we start talking about stewarding and it's only us that are having bad experiences then it's going to look a little bit like us finding something to pick fault with but no the whole evening was dominated with we're fed up as fans of the, as, uh, the way we're being treated so yeah it'll be interesting to me obviously there will be something put out by the club as an official communication which is what they did on the The commercials meeting, they did an email with a summary of points and how they were answered. Do look out for that because it's important what's going on in the stadium and and, and why or, or how they're justifying a lot of what they're doing, none of it sits particularly comfortably with me, I have to say, and I don't think the two chaps that were involved in answering the questions are sympathetic, empathetic. I think they uh, yeah, I just you just got a particular I'm not going to single them out, but one of them irritated me more than the other, and there was just no feeling from any of them. It just felt there's there's the rule book and that's what we're applying so Yeah. The other thing I want to go into quickly is banners. I asked a question about banners. Now, I think the the official rules... I haven't got me in front of me, but off the top of my head it was as long as it's two meters by one metre and fireproofed, you can bring a banner into the ground. That's what how I remember it from last season. That was I've is, not
2: looked That, that is what the ground conditions are. You don't need a fire certificate for it to be two metres by one. If it goes over that, these are the ground conditions. This isn't me making this up. If it goes over two meters by one metre, you then need to have a fire certificate. So the gentleman who had a towel which was not yep. two metres by one metre, which had Potso out on it, who was then manhandled out of, the, out of the ground. Hello, Rich, by the way. It was there, – there was no reason for that. There was absolutely no justification for that within the ground restrictions. You asked, is freedom of speech allowed within the ground, within this context?
0: Yep. And effectively, everybody, no, it's not. If you are going to take a banner in, expect to be ejected with it unless you – follow all of the conditions of coming into the ground with it. And the club have sight of what that banner is before you take it in.
1: Approval,
0: a a sight and approval of it. They will approve your banner. And if there's any message on it that they don't like, they will reject your banner. They didn't say what the uh, criteria for rejecting a message was. They did start to go on about, obviously, the the Palestinian and Israeli conflict, etc. But my suggestion is that if you have potso out" written on a banner, it's not going to get approved. There goes your freedom of speech inside Vicarage Road.
2: And I think the reason why the Palestinian thing was brought up was because there were some incidents at Celtic, for example. Yeah, yes, of Celt- course. Celtic is a completely different kettle of fish to to, to Watford. One, one of the questions that was raised, and it, it preempted me having my little rant, was after games, you have the away club coaches basically filling up Vicarage Road, as was the case against Chesterfield. There was also a barrier put into place against Chesterfield, which just...
0: Helped no end. Yeah. I didn't leave via Vicarage Road at the time everybody left. So was it fuller or more full of coaches than normal. Yes, it was. Saturday.
2: Yes, it was. <laughs>
0: That's what I took from the, yeah, from the yes,
2: conversation. It, it most certainly was. They were bringing over 20 coaches. I think that they, because they filled out 4,000 people in that stand. They will right. bring less coaches in normally, but you also have the added dimension of people from the family stand exiting at exactly the same point And in, in very close proximity to the away fans who all go to their coaches. And as the gentleman who asked this particular question pointed out, they don't all get on the coaches. They all mill about and have a fa- before they're going to have to go home and basically can throw abuse at you. The greatest example of that was when we lost 3-2 at home to Leeds and therefore missed out on promotion, but we're going into the playoffs in 2013. I appreciate that's a long time ago. But the, the amount of vitriol and unpleasantness that the Leeds fans put everybody through at that point was wholly unpleasant and it's it was in no way shape or form managed because you're outside of the ground presumably no longer our problem so the the question that was put was around look could we not hold the away supporters back for a period, allow everybody to leave, and then allow them out? And the answer was, no, we can't do that because it's kettling. Uh, Kettling is where basically police hold protesters in a particular environment. I would suggest that as there are no police at the stadium, it's impossible to do kettling. You are literally just saying, just please stay here. There's no legal enforcement of it. But I understand the point. It is, topologically, it's the same thing. Fine, got it. So you're going to say you're going to allow them out, and they came out. The gentleman in charge of facilities, Mr Ian Pope, said... Have there been any? Have there been any incidents around the, this going on with the coaches? And it was like, oh well, no, we haven't had any reported. Right, fine. So then, when I got to ask my question, I asked, "I'm glad that you ask about the incidents and see that as a reason." right. can you tell me how many incidents there have been involving flasks? The answer was not forthcoming.
0: Hi, this is Tommy Mooney, and you're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with Mook delivery.
1: You in? Order now on the McDonald's app.
0: At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com.
1: The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident.
2: As I said, there are some people at this club who, and I, I've, we've said we said this previously. We tried, we try to be as balanced as possible, and see it as we as see it as we say it. No, say it as we see it. I'll get it right one day. One of the things that came up was that. Uh, 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 Chris Hall was there, the supporter liaison. He wasn't on the t- top table, but he was sat behind uh, where Rich Walker was. And there are a number of people who now have exemption cards. You have to apply for them and explain why you need one. So for a flask or for sandwiches or for if you need to take something in. Because we got onto the subject about hot food and why mm. that wasn't allowed in. Now, hot food mm. and drinks, so to speak, are not allowed in. And it was accepted last night that this is basically linked to the catering contracts. Okay. Yeah. At one stage, again, prior to the pandemic, it was hoped by the club to bring the catering in house. However, the pandemic kind of skewered all that because the the lack of what's the phrase I'm looking for, but staffing, expertise, kind of ability to bring people in for what effectively would be like 23 days a year, it basically that that wasn't a viable. So in the same way as with the stewarding, they are they basically used this agency model, outsourcing it to get around these issues. And we have to say about the stewarding and about the and about the catering, interesting example was given that for example, Sheffield Wednesday, who I don't know if they outsource or not, but they didn't have enough stewards, so they had to close the stand. So in in deference to uh, Ian and to Andy's comments about u- utilising agency stewards to make sure that operations are still running, even if we don't like the way they are running, fair play. Let's make sure we balance that out and throw that in. But in terms of the food and the capabilities about being bought in, was that's a commercial concern. And that every catering contract they have had have complained that the, you know, the, the Watford have, have had or have a, a reputation for letting food in. And some of the examples that they've had of like people coming in with literally, you know, bargain bucket and full blown pizzas and chips and quarter pounders and all sorts. I must confess, I never would have thought about doing that but you'd no. be amazed as to what people do however i think it's also fair to say that's not the majority of people that's not the majority of people so to decide no. that you're going to ban hot food because people are, and that could incorporate somebody walking in with the tail end of their chips that they have bought as they're walking to the ground again seems to feel like we are managing the 99 for the one percent who potentially uh, uh, abuse it, rather than manage the 1% on a day. It, instead of that, it's, no, what we do is we put in policy. And, of course, they have to put in policy because the agency people might be a different people from day to day. They have to do yeah. it with broad brushstrokes because they've gone down the agency route, because they've outsourced yeah. both the requirement for stewarding and also seemingly the responsibility for anything that happens on an individual
0: basis. Just to clarify then, so the people that run the catering concessions inside the ground itself have a contract obviously to do that and have been complaining to the club that they're perhaps not making as much money as they should because people are bringing their own hot food into the ground now he did say that things like sweets or sandwiches or whatever would probably be allowed in but you can't be coming in with your own hot food into the ground now i'm not an economist but again a lot of the comments were this food is too expensive inside the ground which is possibly why people are bringing their own food in and i I think we can all agree that the food is very expensive inside the ground so presumably if you charged that the club charged the catering companies less, they could bring their prices down. They did say that they compare with other grounds locally price-wise and stuff, didn't they? They said we compare with other grounds and make sure that our food prices aren't too high. The point that
2: Paul O'Brien, who as I say, was standing in for Stuart, the guy from the catering company, said what they like to try to match with is London prices, but not stadiums because they do appreciate that the stadiums are there, but London prices per, per se. An example was given was by a gentleman who said, well, you're charging me £2 or £2.50 for a Mars Bowl. Well, I can buy it one pound twenty, and I stick it in my pocket and I come in. Why wouldn't I do that? Paul himself spoken and actually offered empathy to people saying, look, when I've got a number of kids, I take them to the cinema and popcorn would clear me out. I get it. Yeah. I understand it. We want to empathise. That was the moment where the empathy came up. Don't worry, people. It ran away and got under a blanket and hid <laughs> for the rest of the <laughs> evening when we went back to the normal stuff. But there, there is an appreciation and an understanding. And one of the other things, that, the, and, and it was Paul who mentioned, was the fact that the other thing that makes it harder for the club to even consider taking the catering in-house was the fact that, again, since the pandemic, everybody's seen the cost of living and the cost of goods, et cetera, is the fact that one of the benefits that they get from the agency is that the agency have one, its own recruiting agency within it so that they are fully staffed and they know that they will be, but they also have an economy of scale because again, they're supplying to Watford as to Arsenal, as to Tottenham, as to, and therefore they get economy of scale in terms of their purchasing, which if the club took in-house, they wouldn't get. So it would be effectively almost impossible for the club to make a, any form of operational profit from taking it all in-house. And I think most people go, okay, that's reasonable. What we want to try to get to is a happy medium here. And I I made the suggestion – to Paul, because he he was there and I met him on Tuesday and I said, look, we've seen the suggestion here from earlier on about people getting exemption cards to be able to take their flasks in. This is a great thing. Brilliant. Advertise it to everybody who is, oh, I don't know, 60 and older, basically old age pensioners because a flask has been a thing to take to football for a long, long, long time. But people under 30 or 40 or without families, probably less so, right? Make a communication out to all of the season team holders and all of the the registered uh, ticket buyers, shall we say, to make an application for this, make it an online application so they can get it. Alternatively, when you go to the, you can buy things from, and I appreciate it. And I explained that this kind of crossed over from Tuesday into Thursday uh, in terms of the commercials into the stewarding. Because one of the things that appeared to me last night was that these guys operate in very siloed positions. It doesn't seem to be a much imagineering, shall we say, how one area of the club could assist in another. Here was my suggestion, and you may have heard something similar previously from us. In the Hornet Shop, you are selling things on match day that are not admissible to the ground. What one, why? It seems counterintuitive. People can buy an umbrella that they can basically walk from the Hornet Shop to the turnstile and then deposit, right? But there are match day admissible Umbrellas, the short type, the kind of thing that that people have been saying about. Luther sent a thing out the other day about it. Those are there. Have them marked as match day admissible. That way you have a club item which states match day admissible. Here you are, Mr. Stewart. It's clear and it's obvious to you. Go and get Mm. a yellow sandwich box or a red marked sandwich box with it clearly marked on it that it is... Match day admissible and let mm. the people know that the, these are the cases and any other things that kind of fall into that line so that they are there is a match day admissible rate. Paul was like, going, Yeah, but we don't want to be seen to charge for something that's. And we were discussing how could we make this cost neutral? How could this be done? Because it's a great idea. Luther came up just after the. It was after the first half when it was the beginning of the second half, because I did it as a match with the half time stuff. And said about what about having wristbands to identify people for their age? Because the answer was and he actually quoted Luke Littler, the Dart player who's sixteen but yeah, looks yeah. thirty, as to yeah. why People can't, well, how we can, we will pat down people who are 14 years and over, but how can we tell who's 14? And Luther's suggestion was, was wristbands that, and then it was like, oh no, well, we can't do that because anybody comes in. We reserve the right to search them because kids will be used as drug mules and pyrotechnic mules. And yes. it's like, what? <laughs> What are you yeah. talking about? How many times at Watford have we seen pyrotechnics? We've seen pyrotechnics more on the pitch, actually, mm. by organising than we have something going on in the... But fine, so we're inconveniencing. My suggestion on that was, and I picked up my season ticket and said, why not print it on the, t- on the certificate, on the, on the ticket, or have it on the electronic ticket? If you have somebody who's under 14, instead of it being a yellow ticket, have it a red ticket so that they can immediately see, oh, right, Those ones we can't search because that's linked to your fan ID, which is linked to your data. doesn't have to disclose anything. And or when you print a ticket out, it has to be linked to a fan ID. Print it out as to... Searchable, non-searchable. You are being searched right by the ticket off by the ticket barriers. You got to, to have it there. So here's an easy way to do it. And it was all, oh yeah, mm-hmm. we'll see. However, yeah. Paul's going to hope, hopefully, I hope we'll, we'll take that sort of thought away and go, yeah, perhaps we can do something in retail that would benefit people from an ease of entry. Being able to imagine it for for 65-year-olds or whoever to be actually just to be able to take their sandwich in. Yes, it's got to be in an A4 bag. So that means you're going to have to make a, a sandwich, all of this stuff to fit into an A4 bag. They're your rules. You you solve it. You know, here we are. That's fits into that. Fuck, fuck it. Do what they do with the airport stuff. Create a series of polythene bags with a little Watford logo on it. There you go. There you go. There it is. That's it. That's my matched admissible bag. In I go. If we've got mm. to try and do it, try and do it sensibly. Try and do it with and the point that I and a number of people made. Try and do it as per the, the mantra from Tuesday, which was we're all trying to do things a bit more creatively through lack of funds. At the moment, from these two individual gentlemen, and I appreciate they have a hard task to do. You just basically get the, your name's not down and you're not coming in it's the mentality which is
0: yeah the retailing thing I think is quite interesting because you mentioned there about match day admissible and not admissible there was one gentleman who quoted uh, uh, an incident where he wasn't allowed to take his car key or, or yeah. he was stopped and his car key was questioned as to what's this it's my car key and someone pointed out that you could then go to the Hornet shop concession on the uh, upper Graham Taylor and buy a Watford key ring made of metal if you wanted to which could be quite easily used as a, an object to throw at someone or whatever yeah. When you, <laughs> and-
2: when you say Car key, by the way, what we're talking about is a key for a car. He wasn't bedecked in olive and wearing a pith helmet.
0: He wasn't. No, he wasn't. A, he wasn't a serviceman or anything like that. Yeah. Now we're talking about his car fob. And the other point that I raised, which was received in stunned silence by the top table, was you're taking umbrellas off of people and anything <laughs> else that you want to take off people. And yet, when you get to your seat in certain stands, there's a bloody great big flag with a massive pole attached to it that could quite easily be used as any kind of weapon. And, and why are those still handed out? And there was a tumbleweed passing in front of the table to the point where I, I went, hello? Because I didn't even know if they'd heard the question. And they said, we've never thought of that. So it's all about, you can't have any kind of... What could be used as a weapon, unless it's our weapon? In other words, the key rings or the flags, et cetera. So the, thing, uh, the yeah. thing that
2: added to that was literally two minutes beforehand when asking about the messages on banners or on towels were mm. the fire certificate. When you said about it, it was, yeah, but you've got flags inside the ground. And it's, yeah, but our flags are all fire certificated. Yeah. Oh, right. But then they didn't know that the fires, <laughs> that those fire certificated bulks, fire certificated flags, had poles attached to
0: them to flat, to wave. Oh. Of course they do. Yeah.
2: How do you think people wave a fucking flag?
0: Yes. Dullard. I, I I walked away from that very unimpressed with the two gentlemen in the middle. I just didn't think that they were at all what Watford need. And I, I understand it. It's a hard job. I get it. The guy, Ian Pope, was talking about all the different legislations that he has to deal with in operating a football stadium. And he mentioned half a dozen 10 books and then proceeded to name them all and had them all on the table in front of him so you've got a apply everything in all of those 10 books to running a football stadium i get it i understand it you're right but you're not the only one this is happening all over the place right this is happening at every football stadium and i think like you said there are more creative lateral ways of thinking and even like you said the training of the stewards so hi everybody welcome all you sia people we're watford this is how we treat our fans this is what we do we do things a little bit differently here please use your training that you've paid for and all the rest of it but we'd like to Be courteous, we like to be kind, we like to help people, we like, and I just that would go a long way, I think. And I I don't think anybody would have left that meeting last night. Well, there was one gentleman. I suspect there, that there was one gentleman
2: not. at the end. And no fair play to him. You, again, you got to be balanced. You just basically turned around and said, "I know people have said this, but my experience is is overall very positive, and I think everybody is doing a great job." And Watford, the Watford experience is fantastic. The only thing he asked for in, in balance was for the catering to be left open after the games, which was like, oh, "Okay, fair enough. Each each of their own." Most people exit the ground at that point, but. If you want to have a double cheeseburger and chips, go for it. One lady I was in a discussion group earlier on, and, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to quote her anonymously. If I may, just her reactions from last night, so that it's not just you and me flipping out about yeah. this. I personally didn't feel any better for hearing the explanations. I had no feeling at all that they were doing things for the fans or had any interest in really wanting us there, particularly families and providing a great match day experience. Have they ever consulted us? It was all about keeping out, managing the baddies. That has to there has to be balance. Two lines of security in front of us as they get fined if we run on the pitch, as if we all do. Granddad can't bring his flask in unless he applies for an exemption. People coming to the game from work soon won't be able to drop off bags, so effectively won't be able to go. The catering company objects to your kids bringing chips in, so security policy's that. You can't bring a sign in without the wording, etc., being cleared first by the operations manager. The treatment at Watford for fans used to be different to the bigger clubs, it was your local club. For families, no longer. And I think that, hey, we might need to put that up front so people can go, here's the abridged version. I I, I thought that crystallised so much of last night beautifully. And I can't, I I have to get back to, because otherwise I'm left absolutely, as I say, genuinely questioning my support for this club. Yeah. Is that there are people there trying to do a good job, trying under difficult circumstances to do a good job. And I'm sure that both Ian and Andy are trying to do a good job, but the intransigence and the inflexibility and the the unwillingness to hear anything that, that might be there and the, That's an individual issue. We can't take accountability for that. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Mm. This is being put in with your policy. This is being put in by you having outsourced this. Are you a security manager on the day? Absolutely. And he is. He's in the control room and he was talking about he wants nothing more than a nice, happy, quiet day. Great. I, I wish nothing more for him. Absolutely do. Right. But- If that is the prism through which everything is seen and every matchday experience is taken, it taints everybody. I have no problems with authority figures. I have never had a crossword with a steward, right, ever, until the last 18 months, whereby having just got into the ground through a particular turnstile, I'm immediately questioned, show me a ticket or you're not coming through. It's not a theatre. First of all, Watford, when they're t- showing you to your particular seat and turning around as an analogy to go to a theatre, sa- <laughs> Sadler's Wells or otherwise. Well, right? Yes. First of all, theatres tend to have 100% occupancy, so to speak, in the areas where the usher will literally show you to your seat. As you said mm-hmm. earlier on, a level of infamiliarity with, with, the, with the area and where you should go. It's a service. It, it is offered and it is done with a certain level. What it's not done is with somebody wearing a high vis jacket turning around going, Where's your ticket? Show your ticket, why you your ticket? Or you're not coming in. Mm-hmm. It's not done like that. And this mm-hmm. isn't just a question of what is being done, it is how it is being done. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about creating some level of empathy that speaks to the Watford way interestingly, again, just to touch on Luther, who chipped in with a couple of things early on, he and the part of the former players club is the veterans element. And he's pointed out that they're trying to do some things. I'm sure he'll let people know what they are, but he said about it last night. So hopefully I'm free to just share what was there, was that they're trying to get veterans into stewarding because they are you know, very highly qualified. And the match between somebody who's worked in, in service and duty, so to speak, coming on to into a stewarding, it brings them one into the community, gives them job opportunity, et cetera, and the the skills match is 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 pretty high, and I think that's a great idea.
0: I think on luther he he was mentioning what he does as an ambassador mm-hmm. but uh, the, the, what I took from that, correct me if I'm wrong, is that he's there to give supporters' voices to uh, the people above. However, having seen how the people above treat supporters' voices last night, I would suggest that his job is redundant because he can take what he likes to the, the voices above, but they're just going to show you ten or twelve rule books as to why they can't do what's being asked. And that that would be the end of the matter. And could you leave our office please?
2: I, I took I, that, it, I took it in a slightly different way. One of the things was he described himself as an ambassador and he said ambassadors basically bring two groups of people together and negotiate. No, they don't. Ambassadors represent one group. That's what they do. Mm. They are mm. one side of the negotiation. They represent the company that they're on. But that's fine. I appreciate what he's actually trying to say. Is What he's trying to do is, he, I'm standing with one foot in the supporters and one foot in the club, and I'm trying to bring those two together. So I don't think Luther actually thinks or sees the club and the supporters as two separate entities. I think he sees it as the same thing. That's where I see it. He also added in one additional thing, which I think is absolutely salient here. He says, I go out and I ask about from the supporters and then I report to Scott Duxbury. No one else. Scott Duxbury. So the opportunity for him to go to Scott Duxbury and yeah, but if you look at the, I will call it org chart. It's not, it's a list of Scott Duxbury's reports in a pictorial gram, but that's fine. Sorry. That's me and my old corporate commercial graphic designer days going, that's not quite that, but never mind. It's out there and it's better than, than the thing that we didn't have before. So fine. Is that he sits above them. So he can actually, it can be a pincer movement from above. So talking to Luther allows him to talk to Scott. And if he convinces Scott that this is a real, and proper issue, and that this might be a series of suggestions to to look at. And I imagine, mm-hmm. for example, the veterans might be one that could be that's suggested and
0: inserted. But of all the topics that were discussed last night, if Luther if anybody took those to Luther and he went to Scott, Scott would go, Well, unfortunately, these are the rules we have to abide by.
2: But that's Scott's issue. Surely. That's Scott's issue. If he takes it a, if we've got an opportunity for anybody, I would suggest with one line of uh, 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 of disconnection, we say, or one line of connection, which is I talk to Luther, and that message, if it's deemed by Luther as something that can help with, and he can take it around everybody else, throw it into Scott. And if Scott deems it either important enough or the right thing to then go and discuss with his underlings, at least you are getting the pincer movement of pressure from below. And above. And so that's how I, that's how I took that. So for example, the veterans thing, the guy's going, well, maybe we, we would only get 40 people. Well, actually, if we can add to that, if we could add to that with a sprinkling of vets and we could get it back up to the 80 or 100 or however many there are, I have no idea the size of the veteran community in Watford, but uh, Luther mentioned that it's considerable. If you could do that then could we maybe get back to this? Well, maybe, who knows? There's The situation as it currently is less than optimal. These gentlemen are working within financial constraints because budgets are always tight. We know that. And they are working with other pressures that we don't necessarily and probably haven't appreciated enough here. But this was more of a reaction to what was put across last night and what we saw from, from these gentlemen towards the fans. And you heard that summary there, which was nothing is aimed towards the betterment of the support. Everything comes back to, and there was a line at the end, which was, we make no apology for trying to keep you safe. And it's like, my God, I I get that. And I appreciate that Radio 5 Live, the day after the, the, the Manchester bombing, and after any of these horrific very occasional uh, incidents occur, everybody looks at it and expects everybody to have previously had some kind of pee about it and really known that this was going to happen in advance and everything should have been locked down and everything should have been prevented. But the thing is, if you do that, if you decide that you're going to lock everything down because Watford and Watford Football Club was described as the number one terrorist target in Hertfordshire. Mm. I can't think of many other targets that you would have in Hertfordshire, to be quite frank, but fine, there we mm. are. Watford and or Watford Football Club within it, the number one. If you decide that you are going to deal with every single incident, and this is what Martin's Law is there to do, it's there to. It, it's well-intentioned, it's there to keep everybody safe. But if you deal with every single public community Coming together, event or otherwise, as if it is in imminent danger of a terrorist attack, do you know who wins?
0: The terrorists terrorists
2: win. That's exactly (laughs) the modus operandi, is to try to instill terror in a populace and change your way of life and by doing that they win and i appreciate that there will be people who will feel uh, who may have lost people in terrorist incidents who will have a a feeling about that the like of which i had a reaction to when somebody quoted hillsborough yesterday mm. that it's incredibly personal to you and i appreciate and i apologize if this sounds insensitive in any way however we don't negotiate with terrorists really because actually what we're doing is we are changing our way of life because of this tiny percentage of people trying to change our way of life. And we're letting them win in that instance.
0: I think if actually can attend the meeting and you've heard things that you think, Oh, I'd like to bring that up with the club. Please do bring it up with the club. If they are there to have things brought up to them. So I think it's important that if you, you, you've you had any incidents with stewards, to report it to the club and let them know what your experiences are. Because as I say, there was probably 80, 100 people in there last night. The proceedings were dominated by stories of stewarding, people not being happy. And I feel as if there was an unwillingness to change things. So if we keep telling them, about our bad experiences, eventually they're going to have to address it and go, okay, look, people aren't happy with this. We need to look at this and do something differently somehow. But the personalities involved, in my opinion, aren't flexible in any way. And that's why I said at the top of this, what we've got now is here to stay and it's never going to go away. It's never going to go back to how it was. And if anything, it's going to get more draconian, more hotly policed and stewarded and we're either going to have to live with that or we're going to have to think of another way or just complain if you're not happy because yeah it's just not it's not what it should be in my opinion and many others who were there last night so hopefully this has given you a little bit of a flavor of what happened at the the meeting last night as I say I suspect the club will put out an official communication via email at some point do read it do absorb it do understand what's going on because it's your club it's our club At one point, I think it was Andy Jenkins referred to Vicarage Road as his stadium. It's our stadium. It's our home. This is our home venue. I've spent, well, as we all have, many hours there, far more than Andy Jenkins, I would suggest. It's our stadium. And if we're not careful, it's going to be a chore going there. It's going to be an even more unpleasant experience. And that's not what anybody wants. So do have your say, I would say. I think it's important that anything that doesn't sit comfortably with you, let the club know. They need to know.
2: I'm holding the 39th and final edition of YBR, a fanzine brought to you by the Treasury. And in it, there was a piece that when I, I thought when I read it was salient, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it here. and We, we might edit it down because I'll probably wobble on forever. But look, this was by a gentleman called Nick Catley, who has been the co-editor of YBR. I'm not going to add any words, but I'm just going to put it here. It's, a, it's an article in, in there called Feeling Insecure. I don't go to as many games as I used to. There are many reasons for this, but one of the main ones is the security checks you have to go through to get into the ground. I know this seems petty. It's my choice not to go. And it seems very petty to me, but it always puts me in a supremely bad mood. It's difficult to know why, but perhaps the main reason is that it feels both unnecessary and pointless. What are these checks actually designed to guard against? Terrorist activity? Maybe. And yet I enter equally juicy, densely packed targets such as tube trains and cinemas and shopping centres, without any kind of check. Weapons to be used in a fight? Again, possibly, and yet this seems an orders of magnitude more lightly away from the ground, where it's possible to mix with the other team's fans and avoid CCTV. Flares? More realistic, admittedly. But there are always methods by which the relatively small devices can be smuggled in. People manage it, after all. It's relatively easy for the authorities to find anyone who's used one, and this act it acts as a deterrent to most. The searches are particularly frustrating, given the sheer number of items such as plastic bottles, which have been banned ostensibly because they can be used as weapons, but presumably actually to boost refreshment sales. Spurs have a total ban on any food bought in from the outside. On our last visit, I asked the steward why this was, and he said it was to ensure all food meets our health and safety standards. Is it? Is it really? This is not a rant at Watford, incidentally. They are given guidelines by relevant authorities. And while it's not clear exactly how binding these are, all clubs are understandably reluctant to put themselves in a difficult position by departing from them. And until recently, I could basically live with all of this, even if I don't agree with it. But what really gets my goat is the recent introduction of restricted bag sizes. Just about all grounds, including Watford, as of the last couple of months now prohibit any bag larger than an a4 piece of paper being taken inside this isn't really a problem if you're travelling by car the vehicle can act as a handy left luggage locker while you go into the ground but it can make going by public transport a real problem for me a good train journey will usually involve a, a book and a paper and i'll i'll often also take my laptop to make use of the time to get some work done, add in some extra clothes in unpredictable weather, and an A4 bag is hopelessly inadequate. Suddenly, from a mildly inconvenient few minutes, the ground regulations now have the potential to shape your whole day, as well as encouraging you not to travel in an environmentally friendly manner. It's also difficult not to wonder whether the reduced cost of stewarding small bags also had an impact. That's the right of the authorities and clubs, of course. They can impose whatever conditions they like on your entry. As a customer, my option is not to give them my money, not to have every aspect of my day shaped by their overreaction and potentially penny-pinching. So increasingly, that's what I do, going to non-league match instead where I'll be treated like a person rather than a troublemaking inconvenience and that's a shame.
0: Well said. Well said. I think that I think that wraps it up perfectly actually. I think everything that we've discussed and everything that was discussed last night is enclosed in those few paragraphs that Nick wrote there. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah. If you have any questions about anything that we might not have covered or or what we've mentioned there in this podcast do put them in the comments we'll uh, try and address them because a lot was said and I'm sure other people remember other things we're just bringing you what we remember as being the sort of the, the key moments of this meeting uh, so if you've got any questions about anything else do drop them in we'll try and answer them as, as, as quickly as we can anyway look football resumes as we speak on Sunday we got QPR away Bristol City away we're in the next round of the FA Cup so it's not all doom and gloom there is some good football going on it's just a shame that a lot of the match day experience is soured By the people that run the club, in my opinion. Do you have anything you wish to add before we close, Peter? Before we say goodbye?
2: I'd say, in the interest of of balance, do go and look out for other people because this is absolutely our take. Dave Messenger, for example, quoted some of the great stuff that they've been doing with EDI and the accreditations that they have. Not that everybody, as he said, not everybody will be as excited as he has that that we have a Premier League gold standard or whatever it was of, of the EDI stuff. So the stuff that they're doing and continue to do to try to ensure that everybody feels welcome at the club until they. Get there at which point they're obviously frogmar and you have a cavity search, but but hey, you're as free to have that as anybody else. So it's. <laughs> yeah it's tainted as I say, I literally physically couldn't record this last night. I was too angered by those individuals, and I'm happy to meet them. I've never done anything to upset a steward, but I'm sorry, gentlemen, you are killing my match day experience, and this could well be my last season supporting Watford because of you, which it, is because a, a i can't I'm important. not somebody to do that, but I will die for somebody else's right for free speech to tell me that I can't come to the ground that and I appreciate only people of a certain age go I've been coming for forty five years, but I've been coming yeah. for forty five years. Without needing a word or needing any of your services, gentlemen, right? No, that's a lie. Ian controls the facilities management. He puts the roof and he controls the lights. There's lots of things that he does, which are very good. But in terms of this match day operations, which this was the point of, was, yeah, just, and you heard there from Nick somebody whose commitment to Watford has seen him write fanzines and burn the midnight oil and getting things produced just to produce something for other supporters to join in with the love of Watford. He's now going ground hopping around non-league. That's Mm. money that isn't coming into Watford. Um, And on the Tuesday night, and this is where these things have to come together on the Tuesday night, one of the things that Paul O'Brien, the the commercial director, and Stewart from the catering company, whose name I cannot remember the catering company's name, I apologise, pointed out the fact that there is an idiosyncrasy at Watford, in that there is a very small window for Watford supporters, because they turn up late, get into the ground early. And I don't mean late for the game, but the window between them turning up at maybe quarter to three and sitting down means that they're not sitting and mulling around the concession areas to make purchases. My suggestion would be that you create an environment within the ground that makes people want to come in doesn't put Mm. people off, doesn't deter Mm. people from travelling in a manner of their choosing. And it it could be financial or ecological as to whether or not they choose public transport. But we all know that West Watford is not the easiest place and and locale to park. So you've got a choice. You can either have the most brilliantly secured stadium with no one in it, or you can bend and actually look at the thing that the phrase
0: it used to be, customer is king. Mm. That's your choice. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Food for thought, so to speak. Right. Let's end that there. Thank you for listening. We will see you away games. Well, Carl will. And hopefully we'll catch you at the next FA Cup match on the 27th against Southampton. We'll be back with a opposition view preview next week. Bristol City, Dave will be joining us. Very excited to speak to him again. So until then, thank you very much for listening. Youworns. Yawns. You At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times delivery free in terms apply. See McDonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk sport powered by fans.